0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: Man, Red Wings home openers do not miss. Without fail, they are always absolutely unreal. Blow the roof off the building. We had the Mantha four goals, the Bertuzzi four goals, and the Larkin punch and everything. And then this one, Soderblom's first career goal in his first career game, and it's the Red Wings' first goal of the season to kick off what is Soderblom's season. And that's not even half the stories that have happened at home openers. They are guaranteed
2: entertainment. It is the safest ticket in hockey. I'm just trying to figure out a way that we can lie to the players all year so that they have, <laughs> you know, 41 home openers. Just put like... Uh,
0: well, they have, they've had two one at home and one away.
1: That's right. Just put them in, the, uh, like with birds, you know how you put a blanket over the cage and they fall. <laughs> they think it's nighttime? Just trick them that way. Just be like, okay, we're now here for another home opener. Yeah, the NHL's just doing it this way this year. All the NHL himbos are like, okay. Soderblom goes and scores again. They did. I mean, he played just the same the next day, or the next game too. Yeah, the next day. Yeah, yeah the Red Wings season kicked off we knew it was coming this way. Like we were saying last episode and in the entire off season, like this is going to be the most exciting, interesting Red Wing season since starting this podcast. Almost we're, we're getting closer to eight years now. And uh, the atmosphere in the LCA was the biggest confirmation of that. We could have ever have had Uh Detroit Red Wings fans constantly remind us why they're the best in hockey. And Oh man, that was, I always tell people when we meet them in person, like we love like doing meetups we love going to games we love chatting with the listeners because it, it just re-energizes us just right
0: not everyone look at us at all at the same time yeah don't do that that's the key
1: but we like we talk to them and we're like you know it, it does reenergize us and it gives us like the feel to do the show and it, it kind of justifies all the work that goes into like a long off season and i walked away from that home opener buzzing like it was absolutely unreal
0: it was a ton of fun as per usual and uh yeah i echo everything you just said uh even I was excited after the game, so that that says something.
1: If if Evan has a pep in his step, you know it was a good game. That's right. That's right. All right, folks. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. The first episode after the new Detroit Red Wings twenty twenty two twenty twenty three season has started. Here to talk to you about all things Red Wings hockey, the world of the NHL, and the truth that is Elmer Soderblom. I want. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco, and I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we are going to be recapping the home opener, uh, talking about the impact that Elmer Soderblom has made on these Red Wings uh, right off the bat, as well as the rest of his Redwoods Triple XL, whatever we're going to call that line. Uh, we're going to be t- uh, recapping the entire game, uh, talking about some key moments, as well as Detroit's next game uh, against New Jersey. Uh, what Ned did for the team, Volano came out, Suter went in, and then a. Pretty rough injury to Tyler Bertuzzi as well. Uh, we'll be talking about what that means for Philip Zadina, uh, Pius Suter, and then maybe some NHL stories before jumping into overtime. Before that, uh, I wanna to talk to everyone about Wings, Money on the Board, and specifically Winged Wheel podcasting at the LCA. I had so many people come up to me and tell me how great it was to uh, see uh, and meet us and, and connect again. I know we had a lot of familiar faces there, and one way you can do that And enjoy a Red Wings game is through Wing Wheel podcast night at the LCA on Saturday, October 29th. It's the game against Minnesota. What that is, it's a partnered event with the Detroit Red Wings, so we team up with them. It is our third time doing it. They are fantastic partners to work with and have uh, generously worked with us to secure the Hockey Town Cafe space to accommodate the many hundreds of you who have bought tickets to this event. Uh, We're going to be recording a live podcast featuring Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond. Uh, there's going to be a meet and greet with the hosts, but more importantly, the special guests. There's going to be giveaways, merch, prizes. Uh, there's going to be hopefully some more special guests coming through. Food and drinks available for you to buy. And it's going to be a uh, a more spacious, multi-level space. With, uh, it's all indoors, so you don't have to worry about the elements this time. The ticket gets you not only entry to the event, but also uh, to the Red Wings game. And they're discounted. It's a special Winged Wheel podcast discount. It is the cheapest way you'll find those tickets We just added more tickets by demand uh, into the lower bowl and upper bowl. So we have lower and upper bowl tickets available. The gondola is completely sold out. That's all winged wheel podcast fans up there. Uh, And you get to sit with your fellow listeners, Red Wings fans, enjoy the game. And um, yeah, it'll be a blast. So DetroitRedWings.com slash WWP to secure your tickets. And most importantly, a portion of the proceeds from every ticket sold benefits the Jamie Daniels Foundation.
0: I know people have... uh... One of the questions that is frequently asked is if I'm a season ticket holder or I ha- already have tickets to the game, do I can I still come? And the answer is obviously yes.
1: Yeah. If you're a season ticket holder, what we do is we just ask that you go to justgiving.com slash Wings Money on the Board. And if you're able, you consider making a donation of any size to the Wings Money on the Board campaign to raise money for the Jamie Daniels Foundation. But yes, if you have season tickets, you can come through. Uh, if you don't have tickets yet, we encourage you to uh, get it through the uh, DetroitRedWings.com slash WWP link. Okay, let's kick this off. The Red Wings versus the Montreal Canadiens home opener was. The Red Wings got off to a hot start. where they have? Like 25 shots in the first period? Correct, yes. So they didn't finish the game with 75 shots, but still more or less dominated that entire game. And it must have been a few minutes in before we looked at each other and we went, yeah, Elmer Soderblom looks. He fits in. He looks like an NHLer. Through the the spoiler, through two games, he looked like an NHLer. I I don't see him going down until he shows us anything different. But that line between him, Rasmussen, and Sunquist looked fantastic out there.
2: Yeah, we talked about that line before the season started about you know their potential uh, in the offensive zone to be able to you know run a pretty dominant cycle because of their size and their skill. Um, and they might struggle through transition a little bit just because none of them are particularly great at that. And what we learned very quickly is that didn't matter that much because as soon as that puck crossed the blue line, it was never leaving. It was it was theirs until they determined otherwise. And um, yeah, it was the first couple shifts right away. They dominated Montreal down low. I know Soderblom had that one sequence, which I don't remember the last time I saw a guy just run a cycle that elicited... Uh, uh, we'll call it an extreme fan reaction, but when he held it off from that one guy for a bunch of seconds and then kind of looked like he ran into a bad spot and pulled it through his own legs, turned the other way, and kept going.
0: It was... <laughs> Rookies aren't... Well, 6th or 7th round picks are not supposed to be able to do that.
2: He, he did that on his like second NHL shift, his second or third shift. Like you, You're not even supposed to think of doing that at that point, whether you're picked in the 6th round or first overall. And he's out there doing that. It was you know that line this was the path to success, and to see him execute it so I don't even know how to call it thoroughly, yeah, right from the first shift. you know, I know it was Montreal and New Jersey, not the biggest you know defensive stalwarts in the n h l like we'll see we'll see what happens when they get to to better teams, but they, you know, for lack of a better term, look like men amongst boys when, when they got possession in the O zone. Yeah. The, I would say, I was laughing as we were leaving
1: the game. I said, <clears throat> bless the NHL for giving Detroit, the Montreal Canadians to start. Cause they are, they are a bad team. It's very easy to see how they're a bad team. There were, there were no goals until near the end of the game because of Jake Allen. And, and that's it. Um, but still they did dominate and like no discredit to Rasmussen and Sunquist. They played great. I think they deserve a lot of credit. We just put out that little clip. I will clip.
0: listen to no Michael Rasmussen slander. We
1: just put out our little clip of how Rasmussen has excelled, and I think he continued that. Like all three of them were, were probably Detroit's best, definitely Detroit's best line in playing half the minutes of some other players. But it's not like Soderblom came in and played with Larkin or Bertuzzi or Raymond or Verona or someone else where they could really drive the line and elevate the game. Like he had to earn his keep. And I know Derek Lalone put that line together to say, like, we're not sheltering. Like, this is a test. You have to play. Brad, you talked a lot ep- last episode about these lines. These lines are themed, these lines have a purpose. You just talked about how they dominate physically off the cycle, et cetera. And he put them out there with no kind of sheltering. And he executed thoroughly. You're right.
0: Yeah. Th- I think, you know, if you're going to assemble a line like that, that's a um, a cycle driven type line, Montreal's the team to do it against because they don't really scream possession to me. They try to play off transition and they're very good at that. Um, but if there's any line that can expose that weakness, uh, it was certainly that line. So Kudos to the coaching staff for for putting that line together. I know I wasn't the most thrilled with uh, Zadina out and thinking he should be in Sundquist's spot, but hey, no complaints after the first two games with that line. They've been excellent
1: the way Little Caesars Arena exploded when Soderblom scored. People knew
2: instantly.
0: I mean, how could you not?
2: Oh my God. Yeah, I, like obviously Soderblom scoring it adds that extra little to it, but that was one of those games, not too dissimilar. If you remember when we were at the game three against Tampa in the yes. last the last time the Red Wings were in the playoffs where Detroit dominated the first two periods, but Athens, didn't get the first goal till late in the second. There were so many chances that the roof was ready to blow at any point and it just took so long. This was one of those games like Detroit should have been up four, five, nothing going into the third period. And Jake Allen had one of the best goaltending performances I've ever seen live. Like it it was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And so when the puck a finally went in, obviously the entire place was ready to blow. And then when everybody realized pretty quickly, it was Soderblom, it just added that extra little bit of energy to it. And Man, I've missed that feeling.
1: You just know that the Red Wings are going to have more of that. Even like, it's not a packed house the way the Joe used to be. I think we have a while yet before we get there. But even, like you can tell that was way closer to a true sellout crowd. Like you can sell out, but capacity in the arena is something different. It was a lot more full. It is, you know, we're getting back to the kind of buzz and excitement around a successful Red Wings team. Red Wings fans have always been a very smart crowd. So, you know they can sense what's happened in the off season, and to see them all there, embrace that, and the fact that they got the show is excellent. You know, you talked about Jake Allen being absolutely unreal all game. It's hysterical because through all this, Billy Huso got a shutout in his Red Wings
2: debut. He was rock solid. Montreal only had two high danger scoring chances the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> Semantics, Brad. but but one of them was a, a ten bill ten bell fire alarm uh, when it came off the backboards, and Josh Anderson was staring at an empty net and. You know, Huso was able to get back in position and, and glove it. I mean, he didn't have to do much that game, but he was solid. Um, the one thing I really noticed with Huso that we have it's been a long, long time since we've seen this style from a Red Wings goalie. He really doesn't overcommit. Mm-hmm. A lot of pucks were hitting him in the chest. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this, you know, obviously not to the same level, but we've talked about this a lot with Carey Price, where he's the most boring, best goalie because he doesn't have to make crazy circus saves because he's always square to the puck even when moving east to west he can you know shuffle across the crease get in position and then he doesn't have to make a flashy glove save or a big stick save because he's there and it just hits him in the chest huso did that a lot a lot friday night he he was making what probably were more, more difficult saves than we were we would think watching And yeah, he, he was calm. He was there. He did everything he needed to do. And at no point did he look rattled or did it look like Montreal was actually going to score outside of, like I said, that one that banked off the backboards.
1: Other storylines I felt were important that game is we saw the nastiness of Ben Sherratt right away. Uh, him and Perron, I felt were, it was very clear. They kind of MO they have on the ice, which is just piss off the other players and then remind them that they will get punched in the face if they retaliate. Um, Kirby Doc and Moritz Sider continuing to have a history. It goes back to uh, I think they had a Traverse City yeah tournament, the, r- the very blew first up game. Doc, yeah in that
0: first game.
1: and obviously there's the draft context where Doc went you know well above cider in the context of like the top 10. cider obviously turning out to be the steal of that draft, and Doc being an altogether disappointment so far, and then Sider blowing up Doc on multiple occasions, I'm pretty sure, and then <laughs> Doc uh held Cider's stick and was going after him and actually sh- like cider was getting on the bench and doc shoved him in which every neutral observer i've talked to about that has been like okay that's low-key hilarious
2: oh it's objectively funny
1: it is i will say and like i'm not trying to be like a little whiny baby here it is pretty dangerous like if you get shoved oh onto a- my
2: no. god <laughs> no no yeah.
1: no not ryan no Anyways, no. here's why I think we should Anyways. call the police.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You've uh, filed the class action lawsuit. Who's signing with me? There's it, a dozen of, dozens it, of us. It's
2: okay. Mo got Doc back a couple shifts later. That's it's fine.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like you just, rather than being whiny about it, I'm just going to enjoy every time Detroit and Montreal play. Even if it's like the most bottom feeding game of all time, you know those two are going to be going at it. And they're just two behemoths fighting. It's going to be fun. Uh, yeah, the Red Wings ended up taking the win 3-0. Uh, the other two goals were both empty netters. Uh, Rasmussen got one, which was Cops first point as a Red Wing and Larkin's first point of the season. And then Sniper, absolute automatic goal scorer, Olimata, uh, got one. And then Rasmussen added his second assist and Sunquist also added his second assist. So three points for Rasmussen, two points for uh, Sunquist. First goal as a Red Wing for Mata, first point as a Red Wing for Cop, and Elmer Soderbloom, first goal of his career for the
2: Red Wings and of the Red Wings season. The you know night
0: what, of firsts. Yeah.
2: Do you know the level of respect I have for Ole Mata for going bar down on an empty net from the <laughs> red line? <laughs> Just ripper. Just like, that's the spirit of Mark Stahl. Just yeah, straight, man. hair slicked back,
1: no helmet. <laughs> oh, man. We were talking to Max and Prashanth before the game. And Max was like, who do you think has the first goal? And was it you who said Mata? No, that was Prashant. Prashant said Mata, and I said Soderblom. And I was like, oh, just kidding. It'll be Bertuzzi. And I hate myself for saying just kidding. But yeah, Prashant, you know, and Prashanth was kind of half right with that Mata call, as we all expected. That, yes. How that game offensive
0: finished. offensive dynamo.
1: Um, very quickly, before I move on to the New Jersey game, that moment where they showed Vladdy on the screen, that was like, how can you not be romantic about hockey?
0: Red Wings, eh? they had it all lined up. Oh, God. So- Soderblom gets his first goal, all the first. They got Vladdy in attendance, Pan to him. They they
1: knew what they were doing that night. That Vladdy chant boomed through your chest. The, the crowd went nuts. And I went back home after, and I listened to it on the broadcast, and you could hear it so clearly on the broadcast. And Mick said it best. Mick was like, oh, I love that guy. We all do. Uh, the Red Wings, uh, after opening on... Out at home, they went on the road the next day to play New Jersey. And to me, this was a bit of a different game. The outcome was not. The, the Red Wings ultimately won 5-2, but this was a game where I felt New Jersey, honestly, on balance, was the better team. When it mattered, no. And that's the difference, because I think Ned kept the minute, and Detroit was a lot more... Um, they converted on their opportunities with fewer chances, I felt. Um but yeah, New Jersey opened the scoring. It was a goal that I think Ned would probably want back. It wasn't the best goal, and and we've kind of seen that from Ned, where he comes in cold and he doesn't, he's not hot right off the start. But for the rest of the game, he was unreal, massive key saves and kept Detroit in it. At one point, it was two two, and I was like, this should be a five two game for New Jersey, uh, but Ned kept them in. But yeah, ultimately Detroit ended up winning five two. And what I first want to talk about is that was the second test for Soderblom. Looked just as good in my mind.
2: Oh yeah, he was great. Again, um, we're establishing pretty quickly who and what he is as a player and he has the full confidence in himself to not change. He He's not trying to do anything outside of his strengths, which is good because we've talked about this in previous years with Rasmussen and the exact same. Hey, like, hey man, we know what you're good at. Do that. Just do it to the best of your ability and Soderblom's doing that. He's... You know, got soft hands, great off the cycle, nose for the net. Like he's not going out there and and trying to establish himself as this goon, this physical presence. He's not, he's never been, he's not going to throw a ton of hits. He's not going to be a guy, you know, the burner through the neutral zone. And, And I'm, and it's good because now he can play within his strengths and he, and the key to a rookie doing that is he's more comfortable. It's already uncomfortable for a rookie or any player to jump a level of hockey, especially when it's, you know, this significant. So the fact he's able to do that, the fact LeLon's letting him do that, the fact that his linemates are supporting him in doing that, this is the recipe for how to develop a rookie.
1: Uh, That line again was great. I thought Rasmussen had another strong game and Sunquist as well. It's funny because the previous episode, um, I I said it's probably going to be Sunquist who comes out. If anyone does, uh, maybe Ernie, um, but it'd probably be Sunquist who comes out uh, in favor of you know Suter and or Zadina. There's no way they were going to pull apart that line after the first game.
0: I told you they wouldn't. even yeah. before the game happened. I so got if stop they question. if they win and play well, there's no chance that that lineup changes.
1: I have to stop questioning you. Next time I do that, just remind me of this moment.
0: You can just call me the hockey guru.
1: I won't be doing that. Okay, I'm going to call you whatever I call you in our group chat when you don't answer me.
0: I wouldn't even know because I don't look at it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they kept that line together. Um, In the end, uh, Valeno came out. He didn't have the best opening game um, against Montreal. He looked a bit, Brad, you were saying before the show, a little bit hesitant, a little bit like he was nervous to make mistakes, which is a theme we've seen in the past with Valeno. Um, As much as I wanted him to stay in, I couldn't disagree with the call to take him out. Um, but he came out and Suter came in. Zadina stayed off the roster and I think that's a direct result of the kind of impact Sunquist had in that line had. Um, Ernie, I think maybe could have, but again, there's only so much movement you're going to make after a pretty dominant win, so Valeno came out, Suter went in, and then, uh, I also felt that this was a game where the Red Wings and you guys settled in a lot better. I think in the first game, Perron was a little bit iffy on the power play. He had some whiffs.
2: He he had a, I'll just say he had a pretty poor game overall. He was not impressive, but obviously he remedied that Saturday night.
1: Yeah. I thought Sherratt and Sider were working out the kinks of being a defensive partner,
2: which is very natural for a brand new pairing. We saw the best and worst of Sherratt in that game.
1: And I, I thought they were much better uh, against New Jersey. I think uh, Larkin looked better as well. Obviously, he had the goal. But yeah, altogether, it was just a, this was This felt like more of a feeling things out and getting settled game. Uh, the Red Wings open scoring with uh, Ben Chirot, uh, who pretty much just fired one from the and went through traffic. Vianacek never saw it. And then Verana got a... He was sent on a break
2: by Lucas Raymond.
0: That pass, oh.
2: It was a... S- oh. Yeah, that was a sick pass. Yeah. The only thing better than that pass was the shot. Oh my God,
0: man.
1: So, like,
2: it's like a video
1: game. You
0: could just take shooters in the NHL of various ability and how many goals they've scored historically and just not tell people watching like how oh, Ovechkin, how many goals he scored or Verona, how many goals he scored and just line like random guys up, you would be able to tell who the 30, 40, 50 goal scorers oh, yeah. are because when Verona le- releases the puck, it it it's different. It, it is, is. It is at a different tier than the average NHL player. Even like... E- even the, you know, above average good shooters, it's at a different level.
2: I was talking to a, f- a friend of mine today who's a Devils fan, and we were, t- we were talking. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Yeah.
0: My God. How? <laughs> I don't know. But we, we were. Between drags of the three cigarettes he was ta- smoking at the same time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and we were talking about the game, and, um, you know, his first thought was, you know, Vanacek probably should have had two or three of the Red Wings goals if if we're being honest. Like it was good for the Red Wings to get the chances to capitalize on them. But the difference we already alluded to from the Nadelkovich side of things in this game was goaltending. Yeah. And um that was equal parts, Nadelkovich, equal parts Vanacek. But even he said he's like, There's not a goal in this league who is stopping the Verona no. goal. No. Nobody, nobody on the face of this earth is stopping that puck.
1: It was like when you play an NHL, like one of the NHL video games, and then a player shoots and you're like, Oh, this is when you realize it's a video game because it's the puck doesn't flutter. There's no, it just seems like it fires off his stick at a million miles an hour on a frozen rope top corner. And it just like,
0: and then the net net lights on fire.
1: Yeah. And it's the, the perfect shot. And then that's exactly what Jacob Ronda does when he shoots that angle. Like he went short side on it. What a freak who does that? That guy has all the makings of scoring. However many goals,
0: If he's he's going to get passes like that right into the wheelhouse, he's going to score a lot of goals.
1: He's going to like the the amount of opportunities he's going to convert on is going to be unreal. And it's just fully going to depend on how many opportunities he gets through health and through his line mates. And I think the first thing is the biggest barrier. Evan, you're right. He just has to stay healthy. He has all the makings of a 40 goal scorer in this league. He really does. Uh, Perron also scored his first goal with the Red Wings in that game. He, uh, he was in the right place, right time for a rebound. That was right before the Verona goal. Uh, oh, Miles would score 10 seconds after Verona, then Peron after, and then Dylan Larkin, uh, got the pass in front off a kind of broken play by New Jersey and made no mistake, beat the buzzer. I think under a second left. And that goal call was legendary by Ken. That was, I was probably it, it felt like the LCA. And that was great. And that was to give Detroit a 4-2 lead going into the third. And again, like on a game where I felt New Jersey was really leading it in terms of dominating play and, and uh, controlling the chances, like that was a dagger. That was a very, very key goal, both Peron's and Larkins, to put Detroit up two goals. And then uh, in the third period was Kubalik, who got a soft little pass. It was a very like deft touch from Raymond in front. It's almost deceptive how nice that pass was. Like it needed a very delicate touch. Brad, you,
2: you're forward. You know how that's not as easy as it looks. That That's a pure timing play. Because yeah. not only when you have the defenseman skating in stride with you, it presents a couple challenges. One, his stick's obviously going to be coming for you, so you have to navigate that. But when a player is skating and they're gliding next to you, their feet, you know, they're not beside each other. And, you know, most hockey players have pretty big size 10, 11, 12 uh, skates, and you put them parallel to each other plus the stick, it does not leave a lot of options there. And um, so, yeah, he was able to toe drag it into his body just a little bit to avoid the defender's stick. And then um, I can't remember if he tapped it under the triangle of the stick or actually fed it through the defender's legs. But either way, not because, not a rocket of a pass, because he had to time it, to when Kubalik was coming through because if he just hammers that, he's putting it two feet in front of Kubalik, and that puck just trails off into nowhere. So he had to time it so that Kubalik could skate into it. And, you know, again, it's just those things that separate a great hockey player from a good hockey player where he's able to process all those things in a fraction of a second in order yeah. to execute the play.
1: That's an, that's a hockey IQ pass. Yeah, And, you know, talk about good passes. I shouldn't have called the, uh, the Larkin buzzer beater a broken New Jersey play. It was really cop with a fantastic play off the wall to set Larkin up uh you know showing what cop can do offensively there. And Kublik's finish, yeah. Kublik's finish was was great. It was nice to see, and that was Kublik's first official like regular season goal with the I, Red Wings as well.
2: I mean backhands are underrated because they're tough for a goalie to read and I like that he didn't try to overthink it or wait too long. But Vantachek should have had that. That that's a stoppable puck.
1: So through the first two games, these Red Wings scored their first goals with Detroit. Elmer Soderblom, also the first goal of his career. Oli Mata, Ben Chirot, David Perron, Dominic Kubelik, Kopp with two assists, and Vili Huso in his Red Wings debut got himself the shutout. We said before, it wasn't a perfect weekend for the new guys. You could see the growing pains that we've talked about all offseason. It's going to take time for them to settle in, but to go through growing pains through your first two games, not a bad result. Pretty good. Uh, Elmer Soderblom, first star of his first, uh, first ever game. And then it was Nedeljkovic, who was the first star of the New Jersey game. So Detroit 2-0, Derek Lalone, undefeated. The Red Wings are undefeated. As of recording right now, I don't care if you're listening after the LA Kings game. The Red Wings are undefeated in the Derek Lalone era.
2: Derek Lalone had a really good weekend. He did. Really good weekend. He got the big win in his first ever Game on Friday night, followed it up with a, you know, not the shining example of a game, but we didn't even mention that the Red Wings won the second of a back-to-back with travel, yep, which is not easy, especially for a coach trying to get his team prepared for that. Little easier early in the season than late in the season, um, but he did a, a good job of that and they went out and still still got the win. And then on Sunday, Derek Lalone, big Buffalo Bills guy, <laughs> gets the victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. You you and uh you and Derek are kin that way. Newsy's my guy now. I don't care what roster decisions he makes. <laughs> I'm all in on this guy.
1: Brad's all of a sudden the softest on his podcast and the <laughs> that's coach. Right, we that's wonder right. why. Yeah. So Ned uh Larkin and Schrott were the three stars of that game. And Ned I, I really want to give him credit. You know, he had a great showing. I think he ended up stopping 31 pucks, or sorry, 37 pucks overall and 39 shots. Again, that's a lot of opportunities from New Jersey. So not the easiest start for him with a a goal he'd probably want back. But him and Huso, again, look good this weekend, and that's what Detroit needs. If Detroit wants to move up the standings, what they have to do is they have to win the games where the other team is beating themselves.
2: Yeah, when you have bad goaltending at the other end, capitalize. Like, you know, there is some vindication here because I think we had that conversation in the Metro preview where I'm like, I'm not sold on the Devils because they look like a really good team who's going to be sewered by goaltending. And I
1: I now look like an idiot after one game, we know.
2: It's only one game and a lot can change. But like, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, this is kind of what we were expecting from them. Look good, still lose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, um, the first... Uh, I forget who released it, but Goals Saved Above Expected for the NHL got released today. Ned. Ned's 10th. He's only played one game. One game and he has what? Like two and a half? Around
1: two and a half? Goals Saved Above Expected? Yeah. For one game, that's a great... That's a phenomenal game. It's big stop-the-count energy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I was talking to the guys about this. I don't really not a big subscriber in the theory of like my GM is bad because he didn't make the same good moves as other GMs. There are 32 teams in the league, an infinite amount of variations of trades, phone conversations that can lead to trades, the the kind of opportunities that come up. It's literally so silly as one GM happened to run into another GM in the hallway and a trade can transpire that way. Like I never begrudge a GM or I very rarely begrudge a GM for not doing something that another team did. You just don't know all the nuance to it. If the Red Wings, and I, it's a big if, if the Red Wings have a good season from Huso and Adelkovic, there are going to be a lot of teams with fans who I think are going to be justifiable in saying, why didn't my GM make either of those moves?
0: Toronto?
2: Well, the rumor was yeah. Huso was Toronto's guy before Detroit got him. Like that's one of the reasons why Detroit was willing to give up, you know, quote unquote, a premium asset just to get his rights to get ahead of him and sign him. Was because there was obviously numerous teams, but apparently Toronto was very hot to trot. And uh, instead, they ended up with Matt Murray, um, you know, who's always been a consistent picture of health and is now uh, on the LTIR. Matt, I said he
0: may as well cut his left arm off because he has no glove hand. I was only joking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's already on IR. I mean, I think it worked out for them because they were able to call up Robertson and Simmons and saved him some cap space. But
0: neither of those are goalies. May as well be. David Ayers is coming down. He's
1: apparently coaching now in, uh. Uh, somewhere in northern Ontario, I'm pretty sure. So that's the Red that Wings. Was fir- the
2: SPHL.
1: Oh, was it? Yeah. Mm. So that's the Red Wings' first two games. Um, they have another one before next episode. That is Monday night uh, at home at Little Caesars Arena versus the LA Kings at 7 Eastern. So there will be three games played by the time we chat next. Next episode's coming Wednesday. Um, great start, though. This is exactly what we wanted to see from the Red Wings and Honestly, the schedule through October, I don't want to say it's easy because it's not, but, you know, Chicago, Anaheim, those are teams where Detroit should take the, the competition to them. Um, New Jersey, again, they'll have to show up better. I think they can't really de- rely on the goalie bailing them out. Boston and Minnesota may be tough ones, although Minnesota, awful. I could i could score on them right now. Uh, and then Buffalo on the 31st. So D- Detroit, they have a schedule where they can really, it's not just about results and getting the wins, but they can ramp up in terms of getting their pairings, getting their lines felt out, everything like I that.
0: They can do it at like a comfortable pace. It's not like, oh, we're playing s- four games in eight yeah. days. Like It's a very comfortable pace. They can get some reps in at practice. They can do it in an organic, yeah. nicely paced manner.
1: It's not like the past couple seasons where it was like, the Red Wings haven't practiced in 46
2: days. Dylan Larkin has seven hernias. I mean, the Red Wings had a pretty favorable schedule to start last season too. <laughs> As, I get with the details, Brad. God, this guy. Well, they got the you know WWP night against Minnesota. Uh, I was talking about goals saved above expected. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury is currently the worst goalie in the league at at already a nearly minus six. Keep
1: it up, Mark. We need you on the twenty
2: nine. Yeah, just yep. like you know, Mark Andre Fleury, great guy. Really hope he has a good final couple seasons here. But if he wants to like just hold out on this pace for like another two three weeks, that'd be fine. That'd be awesome. Okay, let's talk about the unfortunate story from the New Jersey Devils game. Tyler
1: Bertuzzi took a uh, shot to the hand slash forearm and left the game quickly, did not return. Based on what we saw, how quickly we left the game, uh, how, how quickly he left the game, the kind of pain he was in and how the puck hit him, uh, how kind of cagey the Red Wings were about talking about it after and, and what we're hearing, this looks like he's going to miss some time.
2: Yeah, I'm no doctor, but that looks like a severe ouchie
1: when we said there why would he do that block the shot
0: why would he hurt himself yeah. why spe- would he get hurt no when why we would he sp- block the a shot that's just silly nobody should do that when
1: we specifically requested he doesn't get hurt
0: yeah that's all we said
1: of course Brad you say no one should block a shot this guy's the biggest he lives on the other I team's I block blue line. shots
0: in beer league <laughs> I, I appreciate my goaltenders I will I'm not laying down for one but I'll, I'll get in the way <laughs>
1: No, but, I mean, that's the kind of player Bird is. And, and good on him for laying out the body in the second game of the year. But unfortunate, of course, that it led to the injury. Nothing. It wasn't his fault. It's just one of those freak things. Um, but, yeah, when we said injuries, AHL assignments, and maybe even, you know, anything else like a trade is going to happen fast. Well, it happened fast. Second game. This looks to be Bertuzzi out for some time, and this is probably... This is twofold in terms of impact on the Red Wings. One, even though I don't think he has any pressure on him because he's playing lights out, it keeps Soderblom a little bit more securely in the lineup. Two, this is Zadina's way in. It's really going to be Zadina, Suter, and Valeno kind of vying for that last spot until Ernie maybe starts to phase out or whoever else, whatever else happens. But if Zadina was sitting on the outs and thinking, man, I just watched this team dominate against Montreal and I'm afraid of being the odd man out, this is his opportunity to come in and make the most of it. And the Red Wings will need him to because I don't really think they're going to be elevating a bottom six forward to that top line spot. Do they just
2: plug Zadina in there?
0: That's what I was thinking.
2: I would lean more Verona. Yeah. On, honestly. But that line had a really good game yesterday. Do you do you tinker with that? My answer would be yes. Like, I, I would personally move Verana up and then slot Zadina in on that line. But... I, I could see the logic and, you know, hey, they're they're cooking. Let's just give Zadina a chance here on the top line cuz we know Larkin and Raymond are good enough to to carry a line um and Zadina's good enough to not slow them down uh, at the very least. So, you know, I I could I could be talked into this uh, in a few
0: different ways. I think we'll see it in some amount yeah over the next week or however long uh it takes, but um I think he's got very complementary skills for that line, and he doesn't need to be the line driver. He just needs it to distribute it or be the trigger man, which he's more than capable of doing both.
2: Honestly, the only line I don't ch- touch right now is the Redwoods. Which is hysterical. That is not something I thought I'd be saying. <laughs> Three days <laughs> Two, ago, we said yeah. that's the probably the least
1: certain line on the Red Wings.
0: I'm pretty sure last year we just wanted to fire the third and fourth lines into the sun.
1: <laughs> now we're talking about don't touch the third line. Yeah. Yeah, you know, looking at this lineup now, obviously coming into New Jersey, Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond, Verona, Cop, Peron. Working under the pretext that Cop and Peron are settling into this team, is a great player to have with them because he can maximize an opportunity and really make sure he can elevate the results for that line even if it's not a perfect game. Larkin and Raymond are great line mates for Zadina to have to make sure that he maximizes his opportunity. So I definitely see the makeup in that. It's really funny. You're either scratched... 14th forward or on the
2: first line but it makes sense to me counterpoint that lucas raymond passed jacob Verana oh. for the goal yesterday
1: and that's why i initially said Verana. <laughs> i'm
2: like that's just an overpowered
1: line like i love bert on the first line and i think he belongs on there but man Verana larkin raymond is
2: like dangerous the one because i know we're going to get asked so i'll just bring it up now, is if this Bertuzzi injury is, you know, weeks or months rather than, you know, day to day.
1: I would I would guess, I would imagine by the time people are listening to this, they've had news that
2: that's actually the case. Yeah, and, and my gut's telling me this is not going to be day to day. But this could impact a Bertuzzi trade because the Red Wings have looked very good through two games. If Bertuzzi's out long term and they don't miss a step, That would, in theory, make Eisenman more comfortable moving him and getting a a pretty substantial return because the team is still performing. Now, the counterpoint to that is if the wheels on the bus start coming off. Which they did in previous seasons. Then that plays right into Bertuzzi's camp, saying, hey, you need him. And gestures at those string of games. So there is a dynamic at play with here yet, since I know, you know, everybody, the Bertuzzi trade speculation has been rampant for two years now, and this is not going (laughs) to help it. So yeah, like I I will just say, this could have some impact on um, both sides of this negotiation right now, depending which way it goes.
1: And I also think Iserman is probably going to look at this and say, how am I going to give this guy long-term, which is absolutely what Bertuzzi wants, because it's what any player at this age and this juncture in their career would look for. It's like, how am I going to give him long-term? Like, it just seems to be like he was out long-term because of a like a very scary back injury, and then now, depending on what happens with his hand or or forearm, again, it it, it was a block shot, a freak thing. It could have happened to any player, but... In terms of negotiations, what objectively makes sense and what can subjectively be used uh, or be used subjectively to help your case, those are two very different things. I think this is just yet another very complicated roadblock in this negotiation, which at its core was already going to be tough and is tough because we're in the season and there's no extension yet.
0: I think people who, I think historically players who miss significant games leading up to their big ticket contract negotiation don't make more money no it definitely doesn't help like i don't think he's gonna make more money now (laughs) that he's hurt like it's not going to be the argument well oh the red wings aren't playing well with tyler bertuzzi out the i think the bigger factor is is that he's consistently injured and missing games which means he's not going to make as much money like they just can't you just can't make more money being hurt all the time well not all the time but having significant injuries and not playing
1: yeah and like he played 68 last year and and the the border stuff aside he was relatively healthy yeah um but again nine and the season before and then he would
0: make more money because he's healthy and producing and playing the majority of the games but if you're going to have back injuries that's a check against you
1: and what bertuzzi's definitely saying in the, that negotiating room right right now is not that there's a negotiation happening. I don't think there is. But what he'd say is, I laid out the body to block a shot. What do you want me to do? Like, that's exactly what you want me to do. It could have happened to any player.
0: It's yeah, going to be messy. everybody else would do it too. So
1: that's going to be... I think you're both right. There's it, This is going to play into Iserman's hand in terms of negotiation. There's very few players who can miss a lot of time and say, yeah, I want the exact same thing or even more than I was asking for. And you're right, Brad. This is going to be a referendum on how this new look Red Wings plays without Tyler Bertuzzi. I personally, I don't have a lot of, I'm not optimistic. I think Bertuzzi is one of the most important players in this team. Um, The Red Wings are certainly not better without him, but this is going to, fair or not, to either Bertuzzi or the Red Wings, this is going to play into the contract negotiations. This is going to play into term money and whether or not they even get there and maybe if he's dealt. Um, So I know people don't love the topic, but these are all very important pieces of context that are going to factor in now. One other thing is, you know, we talked about, oh, yeah, Zadina, what is he going to be first or second line? Let's be honest here. There could be a world where Zadina gets slotted into the fourth line with either Suter or Valeno and Ernie, and Kubelik moves up to the top six. And Kubelik has the kind of firepower where I think that'd be a very fair play.
2: Yeah, I mean, he did just score last game. And, you know, we're talking like Zadina is definitely coming in. It might be Valeno coming back in. We yeah. don't. We don't know for sure, but yeah, there's a lot of options here. And you know, like I said earlier, I can be talked into just about any of them. I,
1: I would prefer to see Zadina get his look, but I have no problem if Lalone says, all right, you're in, you're in with two capable players, but you know, you're getting the same treatment as Soderblom, it's, it's bottom six, and you make the most of your opportunity and you prove to me that you deserve to stay. Um, if Zadina gets any more than that, I think that's gravy being in the top six, but he might have to find his way Again, same as Valeno. Like Valeno didn't have players to to really elevate him in that first game and that's why he that's probably part of the reason why he looked nervous. Yeah,
0: but where he's a he play, he's a centerman though. Like where is he going to move up the depth chart without injury or yeah, that's fair. a bad performance by the player the centerman higher in the depth chart? Yeah,
1: he does have a, a a taller task ahead of him.
0: Yeah, I think the wingers are a little bit more modular in in terms of I won't even talk about the third line. there – they're untouchable. I'm talking about for now, first and second line. Like, I, I see more movement there, and I see Zadina being able to slot in there a lot better. Like, I don't know where Valena would really go in the lineup in place. Like, I just don't understand how he would move up in the lineup right now.
1: It's going to be him and Suter playing musical chairs in the fourth line Pretty until much. until one of a few things happen injury. Uh, maybe they want to move Rasmussen back to the wing, which again, very small sample size of two games, but doesn't look likely so far. Or Lalone says, hey, I'm not seeing enough to put you in over Suter. I'm going to send you down to Grand Rapids where you're going to play consistently for a lot of minutes, and then you'll be up at the first given opportunity. Fun first two games. And I can't believe we are still talking about most of the Red Wings roster being so viable where we still have hard roster decisions.
0: There's still guys who are now on injury on the injury list, but guys who've been on there before training camp. So there's still more roster decisions that need to occur.
1: It is a bummer though about Bertuzzi. Like it's never good. You you have to hope that whatever it is doesn't impact him long term. I know we just had a full conversation about you know how does this factor into the, the contract negotiation or potential trade or his futures. At the end of it, you want to make sure that this isn't something that's going to be hanging over him for the rest of his career like his the back surgery is. You you hope that uh, whatever it is he recovers quickly and cleanly f- from.
0: Yeah, hand type injuries are no bueno. Oh man, they can't play hockey, but more importantly, you can't golf. <laughs> I would be devastated.
1: There's only a few good weeks left, I think. I know Michigan golf is gorgeous, but I think there's
2: only a couple weeks left before the chill really sets in. Yeah. Did you see uh Josh Allen's quote after the game today that would have Evan would have really appreciated? No. So the bill, he, they're like asking him something along the lines of, so how does it feel having a bye week after uh, beating the Chiefs? And he's like, well, the bye week's nice because it gives me opportunities to enjoy hobbies like uh, golf
0: and golf. <laughs> so his second job <laughs> is you can't enjoy golf passively. You can't enjoy golf at all. I don't really even like no, golf. No, <laughs> that's the
1: whole point of it. Uh, did you guys hear in the Devils game this is the first like the the the, NHL, like, the season just started and the devil's fans were chanting fire Lindy
0: and they booed him when they were announcing the the coaching staff at the start of the game
1: dude you're like Jack Hughes who is arguably the most important player on your team vouched for him to stay and it, it took a couple games for them to already try to kick him out the door uh remind me how what
2: happened with the devils season last year? Their goaltending failed them, and they were way worse than they should have been. And what happened in the game Saturday night? Their goaltending failed them, and they lost a game that they by rights should have won. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a coaching problem to me.
0: He's probably saying, why don't you just be better at goaltending? And they're like, we can't. This is us. This is it.
1: He walks in like with it, with his whole family. He's like, these kids won't eat if you don't play better goalie.
0: See these children? <laughs> they're going to start starving. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they don't eat till you make a save. I feel I, I feel as a neutral observer, like as a Red Wings fan, you're like, hell, hell yeah. Ned stole the game. The Red Wings converted when it matters. I don't care what the course he says or what the winnow meter says. Like, the Red Wings won the game. That's hockey. But you're looking at it objectively. You're like, man, the Devils. I mean, okay, they ran into a hot goalie, but their goalie didn't even give him a chance to crack that hot goalie once. Like if that was a 2-2 game till the end, then it would take just one break from Ned for neutral. He to didn't do a Ville Huso. No, he didn't shut them out. I, I, do, yeah. I do think he had a very impressive performance, but New Jersey's goalie sank them. Like It was 4-2 by the end of the second. I think that was killer. And yeah, it's fire Lindy. I'm like, what do you want Lindy Ruff to do? Granted, I don't know the intricacies of like what's going on in the organization and what roster and line decisions he's made. As you know, podcast hosts who have had our fair share of complaints about Red Wings coaches in the past, um, I understand how you can be upset with it, but in game two... Chanting
0: home opener
1: fire. That's that is if and when Lindy Ruff gets fired, because at this point, how is he not going to, it would take a massive turnaround, which actually I should, I should take that back. I don't think it's out of this world.
0: If there's any team that has to take a step this year, it's them. It's them because they've totally started to load it up and they're expecting big things from every key player.
1: But let's say Blackwood, Vanacek and whoever else plays net doesn't save their skin and, and Ruff is fired they're going to be playing that clip and they're going to have to say this was in the second game of the season.
0: I felt so bad for Lindy Ruff. He looks so confused. Are they saying boo earns? <laughs> I felt so bad. I was like this is terrible. Like even if you don't like the guy as your head coach, like man, I was just sad for him. Like that's that's cruel. <laughs> I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe
1: I'm misremembering, but I feel like we had a lot of runway before the fire Blasio chance came out.
0: And I don't remember anyone when they announced Jeff Blasio where the whole arena just started booing him. Scumbags. No. New Red- Jersey fans, scumbags. <laughs> yeah. New Jersey fans, you who's just made... Their, who's their, their podcast? We have to fight them now. <laughs> yeah. This one's for Lindy. <laughs> <laughs> I was just
1: going to say, New Jersey fans, you just got on Evan's shit list after he's done fighting the entire Steve Dangle podcast He's right. fighting you. You're next, bud. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to fight people from Newark. Me neither. Yeah. They're not
0: fighting fair. No.
1: Uh, I think it's funny that we're already talking about this, but as you alluded, Toronto's goalie situation has already...
0: (laughs) 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 How could we have known the guy with a long laundry list of injuries gets injured?
1: Their goalie situation is already looking rough. Matt Murray hurt himself, correct me if I'm wrong, in practice. Yeah, is now out long-term on injury reserve.
0: The only thing I feel bad for is Matt Murray because he's played so well, then got hurt, rediscovered his game, then got injured again. And it's like the Toronto of the year is supposed to be the year where it all comes back together. And he gets hurt literally after one start.
2: Ah uh, yes, injury-prone goalie uh, gets injured uh, early in season after team banks on him. I, I felt bad. Um, I don't know if you want me to play the audio of the one Steve posted after his first LFR after Matt Murray's first start. Did oh, you see that?
1: Yeah, I sent it to my friends. Actually, it was very funny.
2: Yeah, should, you want me to? Yeah, 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 Leafs Nation, welcome
1: to another season of. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Things are going great in (laughs) Toronto. (laughs) If anything, that's status quo.
1: (laughs) I don't know how Steve has the lungs for that. Like, my voice would be... I could not do a podcast after doing an LFR. My throat would be torched. Like, he...
0: How many blood vessels do you think he's popped? He has none On average. He has none left.
1: He has whatever residual blood was left in his brain when the last vessel popped, and it's just cycling that over and over. That's science, folks. I have a degree in this. Just don't look it up. Trust me. That's how it works. But yeah... Two, three games does not a season make, but it's off to a funny start for the Leafs. It's
2: off to a predictably funny start. Like, and they've won a game or two as well, but still, it's, yeah. You it's, know, because I, I know Dubas was dealt a bad hand because, you know, his plan A was thwarted by Iserman. But so you it, had
0: no other plan. That but was his, it, we're getting at Billy Huso. Other than that, we're out of ideas. His plan <laughs> B, B really was Hussle. bad. What am
2: I doing for dinner? I'm gonna go to bed now. Yeah, yeah. it's man. You know, I, I I've defended a lot of what Dubis has done in the past, but this was the one that was confusing because you know there weren't a lot of great goalie options on the market, but there were a lot of options. You know, a lot of them would classify as good options. You know, hell, they had Jack Campbell. He was theirs, and they decided to trade for Matt Murray while having Ottawa only retain 25% on a two-year contract, well, at least with two years left. You know, I actually didn't mind the bet on Ilya Samsonov. I, I felt like that was a smart bet. Um, but it seems like they were giving Matt Murray the runway to be the starter. So, you know, in kind of a morbid way, this this could be the best thing that happens to Leaf this season because if Samsonov takes the crease now and, and performs well, They almost get out of the Matt Murray experiment before it even starts.
0: Yeah, the the biggest question mark with Samsonov, which has been his M.O. the entire time, is consistency. He's only had two games so far this season, and I thought he looked good the other night. So the jury's still out, but my God, being a Leafs fan is like living on the edge every single minute of existence for the past 50 years. And as a neutral
2: observer... Oh, it is peak em- entertainment. I, We're not neutral. Like, not neutral. Yeah. <laughs> As a very, very biased hater, it's it's just wonderful.
1: Uh, some other notes: Red Wings fans will notice that the uh, captain C and alternate captain A's have switched back to the side of the jersey. If you're the player wearing it on the right side of the chest above the wheel on the winged wheel, which has two wings, yet again, in case you didn't know, um, the A the letters are a little smaller, uh, which people don't love. Right now, there's no jersey ad on there. And I know there's something circulating about like how it's because the, the, the winged wheel sweater is...
0: Are we going to drop the big news? Yeah. Winged wheel podcast. Is, yeah, no.
1: Yeah. We're, we're the sponsor.
2: That's our space.
1: We're no. a few patrons away from that. Um, and people are very happy that there's no sponsor yet. And like likewise, I'm very happy there's no jersey sponsor yet. And there's something going around that it's like, oh, because the, the red wing sweater is sacred, et cetera, et cetera.
0: No jersey is sacred. I... I <laughs>
1: we can all be happy as long as there isn't an ad on there. I would just say don't get married to that. I would imagine that there will be something at some point. Um a cheese bag. Yeah. The again, if we if we ever have like a mysterious billionaire listening to the show and he wants to give us a a massive endowment, we will buy that ad space and we will leave it blank. That's um, that's our promise to you, which we will never have to uh, cross that bridge because I don't think very many. we have the only billionaire who listens to this show is Emmett and he doesn't even listen
0: that's right yeah um, that's more so because I don't want to hear my own voice Yeah. if you could just like mute that and you needed me to listen to a part that'd be I could do that but some episodes it's not too hard that's true that's very true <laughs> sorry I was a little blow on you hey that's okay that's okay there's a hairline um,
1: joke coming in three two you don't, no, no, no please don't
0: I, I don't need to I don't need to low blow on stuff like that. Am I might punch Brad in the face? <laughs> <laughs> Just sorry Brad. I do accept that. <laughs> That's so fair sorry. punishment. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um one thing I wanted to ask is does anyone know how much um companies have paid for those sponsorship spots on the jersey?
1: The I'm pretty sure the the long-term ones have exceeded 10 million dollars, but oh,
0: yeah, we're going to need a few more uh, subscribers. A few more
1: subscribers, but that's over the course of the entire contract. I think they're in some of them are in like the two million dollar range, give or take, but it's very much going to depend on the market, how much of the a lot National of space games, that they use. all yeah. that stuff. Like Columbus is going to char- be able to charge way less than 50 bucks. Colorado. Yeah. We're probably halfway to being able to afford Columbus's.
2: I, there's an idea forget buying ad space on the red wings jersey. Arizona
0: coyotes <laughs> let's buy
2: ad space on Arizona's jersey and just put the red wings logo there
1: <laughs> they might be able to uh to get another chair for their locker room their goalie will be able to sit while getting dressed
0: <laughs> is that a real thing no well oh, okay. uh, yeah I wasn't sure if there was like an arena thing is a whole gong show so I wasn't sure if that was a, a real thing that's I how low the bar has gotten here I was gonna say because I don't know if that's a joke
1: because it's not so crazy um yeah, so that's that's where it's at. Although very quickly here before we jump into overtime, nice to see Mo with the A. Even if it's just for a game, because they're cycling through alternate captains. So you know, you see cop, you see Peron, uh get the A's, but you know, in game two, you saw Mo with the alternate captain, and that was cool. It didn't take long.
0: Anyone who's gotten it, I have not been surprised in the least. We
1: had a uh, a Jersey winner, uh a while back, and I believe it was right after Mo got drafted, or maybe the year after. And they, whenever we hand out a jersey, and by the way, we're drawing for a Soderblom jersey tonight, uh, we let them pick whatever name and number they want on the back. And he wanted a Mo Cider jersey, but this was before Sider made the Red Wings. So he didn't know for sure what the number would be. And he's like, can I get a Cider 53 with an A on front? And I was like, as long Bold. as- he, as long as you know, it's on you if it doesn't transpire that way. He's like, no, absolutely. Jersey stock was very limited. It was actually super hard to source. So he had he ended up going with his Adina jersey, but he uh, tagged us today. He was like, here's a screenshot. I was right. I'm like, yeah, man, you called it. Good for you. All right. Uh, we are going to jump into overtime on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, which is proudly brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast if you want to support the show. We had a lot of people come up to us and say, you know, they love the show and what's the best way to support us. Honestly, this is it. This is how we're able to do things like host Winged Wheel Podcast night at the LCA. It's how we're able to uh, front the costs for those custom runs of the Mickey Redmond special edition flannels. It's how we're able to put on, you know, events and initiatives that ultimately raise a lot more money uh, for the Jamie Daniels Foundation, which is a fantastic cause. So your support, thank you all so, so much. And uh, for those of you who are part of the Dub Dub Club, thank you. Some benefits of being a Winged Wheel Podcast uh, patron, access to the Discord giveaways. We are giving away uh, two tickets to every Red Wings home game this season, and the majority of them are going to uh, patrons. So right now we have a giveaway going on for the Monday Night uh, Kings game, and uh, there's plenty more. So again, patreon.com slash podcast. All right, Uh, we are going to start with some comments and questions from our patrons. Um, Zachary Rogers says, hey guys, two and out to start the season. Besides Soderblom, who is, in your opinion, the most surprising player on the roster right now? By the way, go blue. Most surprising, it's early, but I kind of want to say Sundquist. It's not like a a big impact, like he's kicking the door down, and I think this is like a top six player kind of thing, but for a guy who missed preseason didn't really see game action and probably has every reason to not be in game shape. Uh, I, I appreciated what he brought to that line. And if not Sunquist, then it's just a continuation of being really, really happy with
2: um, Michael Rasmussen's play. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to clarify this because I'm going to give a different answer depending on it. Are we talking biggest surprise relative to last season or biggest surprise relative to the last three weeks? Answer however you want. Okay, relative to last season? Yeah. Rasmussen. Yeah, okay. Obviously Rasmussen. I'm... I, We thought his days as a center, despite his improvements last year, were cooked. Uh, We kind of understood what his limitations were, and he's worked through some of those. And here he is, you know, the center of a very, very successful third line. So I'll say him.
0: I'll say Robert Hag. I don't think he's been drowning out there, which is an absolute relief.
1: He keeps getting hit by pucks.
0: Yeah, he's got to stop doing that. I think he lost a tooth last night, which uh, obviously probably didn't feel great, but... From where we've go- come from over the past five years for blo- bottom bearing defensemen, this is a, oh, a a welcomed addition.
2: See what I mean? Don't block shots.
0: That's right. That's <laughs> I'm, I'm that's telling
2: you. Right. Yeah, no, but Robert Hagg surprisingly competent.
1: Any aspiring NHL forwards who are listening to this podcast do not listen to Brad.
2: Hey, I blocked one last night, and my and I still got a Charlie
0: horse from it. Maybe Ryan will let you borrow his shot blockers. The big plastic ones yes. that don't even
1: mold to the skates. I wore them for one tournament. <laughs> it's because they had a kid. It's like that awkward age where like half the kids have hit puberty twice and the other half haven't hit it one, once.
0: One guy's got a mustache and then the other ones are still eight years old looking.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was exactly it. And this kid would just shoot. He wouldn't even shoot all the time. He would shoot at the opposing team's players because he knew he'd hurt them. And I was, I it was me. I'm opposing team's players. So I had shot
2: blockers and big shin pads for that tournament.
0: Jesus Christ.
2: Big shin pads. And remember, he doesn't pull them over the tongue of a skate. So imagine how that felt.
0: It's like a couple pillows were stuffed in there. Hey, we won. We
1: beat them in the gold medal game. Medium Chungus says, <laughs> a few episodes ago, Brad said that it would be progressive for a team to have a fourth line that was a scoring line. As part of his explanation as to why scores like Sedino wouldn't wind up there. My question is, why not have four scoring lines? When Team Canada is building a roster with its plethora of scoring talent, they don't worry about having a checking line. Is it simply a matter of us not having the complementary talent for such a line, or am I misunderstanding
0: something here? Doesn't Canada almost historically always have a checking line?
2: Yes, two things there. Evan's right. Team Canada is absolutely guilty of that. They are so backwards and old school when it comes to that so friend of yeah. the yeah. show chris draper they win gold medals i i I can't blame him for it yeah I, 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 love, I think it works i love chris draper he's one of my favorite players of all time and obviously he's great at his job now but he was on a canadian olympic team just think about that but um also i don't agree with not having a fourth line scoring line if you are capable if you have enough talent to be able to do it I was just saying, NHL teams just don't do that. Like, I would love our four, like if Bertuzzi wasn't hurt and our fourth line was Suter, Zadina, Kubalik. Sign me up. I'm fully on board. As long as the the asterisk here is, you have to have four lines though that are capable defensively at the very least three, because someone has to go out there against the other team's scoring lines. Someone has to do it. Someone has to take that hit. But yeah, if you are capable of you know, rolling four waves of scoring threats, you absolutely should, but the NHL as a whole, I'm not talking about specific coaches or or whatever right now, but by and large, is not progressive. They will not do it, and it will be a long time before, if at all, before it becomes commonplace.
1: I'm going to jump forward a few questions here uh, because I completely forgot to bring something up that Elmer Soderblom did. It was at the end of the New Jersey game. So the comment here is from... Ryan's receding hairline. Um, the, the comment is, did anyone else see when Elmer Soderblom and Dougie Hamilton hit the boards behind the jersey net? I thought the boards were going to collapse. Before that, near the end of the game, Soderblum came in on Dougie Hamilton down the right side, pulled the puck, did the old dipsy doodle, pulled the puck uh, from behind between his legs, danced, actually got around Hamilton and got the scoring chance. Didn't turn into a goal, but got the scoring chance dancing around it, despite his poor year last year. A fantastic defenseman. Uh, and then Hamilton, who's no slouch, he's huge, the size of like two Brad Crisco's, went to go hit Soderblom, and it was a big collision, but bounced off the boards. And yeah, aside from the whole building shaking in Newark, Hamilton fell down. That play from Soderblom was wild. The confidence to do that in your second game. game—it's Dougie Hamilton. Like, that wasn't even the first time that you talked about something earlier, Brad. He pulled the puck between his legs and... Uh, in the prior game, like he's not afraid to make those dangles again. At six foot eight, and there has been some speculation as to whether it's six foot eight, and I'm I'm fairly certain it is because he stands next to other people who are six six, and he's decidedly taller than him. So it's just an experience watching Soderblom. Did you see how often
0: the camera panned to his parents, who look like movie stars? <laughs> yes. Why is everyone from Sweden att- ultra attractive? It's cold in Sweden. Yeah, well, the one the Vikings uh, pillaged. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's <laughs> some hi- historical nuance and context there.
1: I have no idea if it's true, but it's the only exp- explanation I can think of because you saw them and you're like, oh my God. You, like, you legitimately look like action stars, both of you. Anyhow. Uh, okay, let's jump to our next question here. And man, this is one that probably deserves a whole episode topic. Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe says, what's the over-under timeline for the league and networks to agree that digital advertising on the boards needs to go the way of Fox Tracks glowing puck.
2: Honestly, I feel like I don't even need to talk about this because this is in a very defi- divisive world on just about everything.
0: The ho- all come together. <laughs> the hockey world
2: has come together and unanimously decided these are atrocious and they need to go.
1: I don't know like I completely agree. They're bad, and they're being overused. Like the deployment is bad. The changing during the middle of play the is puck bad.
0: On the in the advertisement that moves is bad. Did you see that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was horrible. They don't add motion blur to the ads for obvious reasons, so your it hurts your eyes and your eyes get distracted trying to naturally track the puck. It's a terrible experience visually. It's a terrible experience in terms of how it w- works dynamically. Everyone hates it. Even the biggest like water carriers for the NHL are saying like, no, this sucks. And Brad, I still don't know if the NHL will turn down the money for them.
2: No, they're absolutely not going to. Well, here's the problem. And, and the one point that nobody's really brought up yet, that is the unfortunate side of this. The NHL has probably already collected the money on these. The contracts are signed. The agreements are in place. And they're not about to piss off their advertisers by backing out of it now. So will, will this come back next season? Probably, but maybe not. But for the rest of this season, barring something, you know, shocking, we're going to have to deal with it.
0: The NHL isn't big enough of a revenue generator to renege on these types of contracts. If it was the NFL or basketball, that, like, sorry guys, like we're changing how we're doing this. If you, do, you can stay in this contract, if you don't, someone else is going to fill it. And I, that, you know, that, could that's very still true of the nhl but i don't see them flexing that muscle like those other leagues would
1: it's less about that because i wouldn't be surprised if there is a provision in the contract to say like there's a a test period and we have to see how this is received and if it's catastrophic then we'll pull it out i i really
0: appreciate your optimism for the nhl to do things correctly what i i I skipped past that
1: part ryan because it's the nhl but what i think will ultimately keep them in place and i hope i'm wrong who doesn't see this The players on the ice. Who wants to clear their escrow debt to the owners as quick as possible? The players on the ice. They are not going to give a single shit about whether or not there are digitally imposed ads on the TV. They might feel for the fans, like the more compassionate players might feel for the fans. But at the end of the day, this is quite honestly affecting their paycheck. And they're going to say, yeah. You do what you need to do. We're going to vote in lockstep with the NHL. So if change is going to come, it's going to have to come from the NHL. And even me, the ultimate optimist is not, I just don't know that they're going to pull away that revenue.
2: The, the one thing I am curious to kind of keep my eye on because every once in a while you see this, um, I don't know what to call it, like altruistic marketing or like, you know, good PR. Where there could be a company that says, okay, we have one of these contracts. We're going to keep our ads stationary for this game. You're welcome, guys. Look at how great we are. We're giving you what you wanted.
1: Yeah, they buy all 60 minutes.
0: And that company and Ron.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if it's the Wing Wheel podcast, we're just going to get the party parrot, like all techno colors changing. But we're only going to buy ads for Toronto games. So it's just going <laughs> to piss off Toronto fans we're gonna just sink our own popularity they're gonna tank us and but it's gonna be hysterical
2: no you, you just gotta find something like outdated and annoying and everything so like just i don't know brad for no <laughs> <laughs> for the full 60 minutes of the game you remember uh what is it neon cat just circling the rink oh my God. with the rainbow coming out of its ass okay
0: i'm i'm here for this
1: okay The NHL will do anything for money at this point. If some like mega billionaire gives them like 10x (laughs) the value of those ads, but it's neon cat
0: just circling. We need Wall Street bets to actually win a (laughs) stock purchase for once, uh, and they would do it. Yeah, it's not a good time over there. The worst thing for like for this whole thing is clearly they didn't play test this.
1: Sure, they did, and they went terribly. And they're like, oh well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that.
0: We've we've come up with no ideas, and we're all out of them. Yeah. Anyhow, there's gonna be more on that for sure.
1: Steven, uh or actually let's start with Hockeytown Racing Academy he says, what hot take do you have right now that isn't necessarily an overreaction?
0: Leafs miss the playoffs.
2: That's an
0: overreaction. Okay. Um <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> not an overreaction, <laughs> that's right.
2: My my after two games, my one hot take from our hot takery Patreon episode seems to be looking all right, which was our Red Wings is getting Vezina votes.
0: What's the um What's the award for the best hand? Jennings. Yeah. That might be a, a very distinct possibility this year. Yeah. Um, my hot
1: take that isn't necessarily an overreaction. Soderblom plays all 82, barring injury. <laughs> Medium take.
2: Yeah. Soderblom wins rookie of the year, back to back for the Red Wings. Get heart. Yeah. Heart winner. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Not an overreaction. Stephen Fagan says, even though it's just a few games into the season, what teams have had the most intriguing starts, good or bad, in your opinions? And how many games need to be played before some teams start to hit the panic button?
2: Uh, Aren't the San Jose Sharks like 0-4-0 right now?
1: As expected.
2: I mean, nobody was expecting them to be good, but like this bad uh, is really bad. Um, Minnesota, just for their goaltending, is probably pretty concerned right now.
1: That's my... New Jersey... Through two games, Minnesota has let in 14 goals. I
2: think L.A. has not won either,
1: which is... L.A. is also, LA is uh, 1-2, you know.
0: Okay, well, still, the... the expectations are high for that team. Another team that is expected to take a step, and uh, it's not been a great start for them yet. I'm... I mean,
2: the New Jersey Devils are, what, 0-2 uh, and have allowed 10 goals to the Detroit Red Wings and Philadelphia Flyers. They're chanting to fire their coach, guys. Yes. At the home opener. <laughs> yeah.
1: New Jersey, I'm a lot more want to say I'm a little concerned. LA, I don't know, it's early. Um, Minnesota with the amount of goals, yes. Vegas and on the positive note, Vegas coming out three and O is huge considering how they ended last season and all the questions about the year.
2: And it's not just that they're three and O. They they look good yeah. getting to three and O. Well, there it, are no flukes there. It's easy to forget they're a good team, right? Like
1: that's a team comprised of a, a pretty good roster. And I understand that they've had their lumps. Some of them, a lot of them, their own doing. But they have the goalie questions, yeah. But they have Jack Eichel, you know? So it's still early. None of these are hard declarations. But yeah, definitely interesting storylines. Uh, question here from our good friend, Lars Thorzel. Uh, or Large the prophet of the Tower of Behemoth says, Are you... Still worried about Lord Elmer's skating.
2: I was never really worried about it. I still wouldn't call it good. Like, you could say good for a guy his size, but not compared to NHL average. But, I mean, it was never a big part of his game. So, it's not like we were saying if his skating doesn't improve, he's never going to make it. You know, we we talked about the Redwoods line as a whole, but it applies to him specifically. We know how they're going to succeed. And, you know, they don't need to be elite skaters to do that. They just need to be good enough.
1: Uh, this one I should have read out last episode. Cody Stark said, sad week for Starco. After 14 years of beer league hockey, I've decided to hang the pads, mask, and skates up. Hips feel like someone bashed them in with a sledgehammer while I was sleeping. Every Wednesday from November to March for the last 14 years, driving hundred miles round trip to Grand Forks through blizzards and negative 30 temps, blood, sweat, tears, so many bush lights. I'd like to thank God and Evan. Most talented individual to score on me all of those years was Brock Nelson. Least talented, my friend Mikey, who was my defenseman, and ruined my shutout with 10 seconds left by purposely scoring on our own net.
2: F F you, Mikey. (laughs) Cheers, boys. Those Uh, are always the fun ones where the goalie's getting irritated in the middle of a game when you have a lead, so you just turn around and clap one on them. (laughs) I've done that a couple times.
1: Uh, Last question here. This is from Elite First Scoring Line, Scott Duerk, Sleeve McDichell, and Bobson Dugnut. Thank you, Joseph. Uh, says, give us your Zadina predictions. What's it going to be for this guy one year from now? Don't ask he's me. Under
2: contract g- for two more after this one, so I'll say status quo. Unfortunately,
1: my annoying Ryan, shut the hell up. Fetch isn't happening. Take is uh, he has worked himself in the, uh, into the second power play unit, middle six, and has found a niche as a somewhat dependable twenty goal scorer. My pessimistic, I am worried that I have to finally let go of this fantasy take. Is that in a year he's part of a trade? Maybe not right away, but at some point. I I hope I hope the optimism pays off, but it's it needs to come through this year.
0: He could be a twenty goal score and be traded.
1: That's true. It, it could be, rep-
0: be a combination of both of those.
1: And then finally, we gotta figure out the name of the Rasmussen Sunquist uh Soderblom line. Is it the Redwood line, the Sequoia line, the Mammoth Line, the three towers, three Brad Criscos in a trench coat? <laughs>
0: You chose to read this one out. I did. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of
1: these have to be Patreon exclusive readouts. Redwood line. I, I like the triple XL line.
2: I think the Redwoods is cool.
0: I don't really get it other than Red Wings. Redwoods is a really
2: big goddamn big tree, tree, man. Big tree, Evan.
0: Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Redwoods?
1: This man probably graduated with the most honors of the three of us when he got his degree. I just want everyone to know that on paper.
2: I don't even need to say that. This guy has probably bounced a billion golf balls off of redwood trees in his life.
0: We're 13 minutes to my bedtime. Brain is shutting down.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's fair. All right.
1: It's Evan's bedtime. We have to record the Patreon exclusive. Folks, thank you all so much for tuning in. We hope everyone had a great first season, our first weekend of the new Red Wing season. Red Wings hockey's back and it feels good. Uh, if you're looking to support the show, patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast, and be sure to get your winged wheel podcast night at the LCA tickets at detroitredwings.com slash wwp. We'd like to thank all of our listeners and our name level sponsors on Patreon. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefur, Ryan's receding hairline, Nick Perks, Terry Driver of the number 69, crying Ryan, Ryan Hinnis Banana Slam at Jamathong. Matthew M. Rice, Croner's left knee, Ben Hurd, Brad Crisco, the buttery male, Crisco spelt like the, um, you know, oil, uh, Brandon M., Carl and Nanaluski, Chimmy, Chris Ball, Chris P., Citizen High Five, Connor Scovey, Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Elite First Scoring Line, Scott Dork, Sleeve McDyckel, and Bobson Dugnut, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Hassam Al-Kassem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Kaylin Wood, Kevin James, King Tone, Marcus, Matt McKay, Nedelkovic, goalie number one. Nicholas Fritz, R.A. Ryan Hanna, Ryan Hanna the Unshowered. Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, the Podcasting Couch. Zachary Rogers, General Andy Bohan of the Cheesebag Army. Sam Bankson, Ace of Base frontman Jonas Berggren. Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie. Adam Rose, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landeskog is a Stanley Cup champion. Ben Barron, Brian Vasha, Connor Leighton, Darren Fick, Dave W, Disciple of Lars, the Prophet of the Towering Behemoth. Philip Zadiz Nuts James Laporte Jeffrey Dun 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 Jeremiah Dobo JM Rhapsody John Evans John Ingalls Who I believe is a uh, Oh yeah right I already called that out Newer Name Level Sponsor Josh Yeltsin Kevin McCracken Quaz Linda Hall Linda thank you so much It was great to meet you in person Logan Burgos Matt S Maximilian Me Philip Zadina's Confidence in the Flesh We need you buddy Medium Chungus Melissa Erickson O Ophelia Papa Woody And Thick Rick